Welcome back to the third episode of The Tea. I'll be covering news from the week of February 5th. This week, we're going to talk about two things. First is the results of a report that Smoove released investigating ancillary fees, how they're dealt with, what the problems are. And I had a lovely, really extensive conversation with Finance Commissioner Sebastian Duckett, and he led us through the entire report and all its intricacies, hopefully bringing some transparency to this report. And then secondly, I'm just going to quickly recap the Smoove Legislative Council meeting that happened on January 28th. There are actually some pretty interesting motions and presentations that occurred. There were some really cool webinars this week, but for brevity's sake and to give my interview with Sebastian more space, I'm going to cut the segment for the week. So as always, I'm your host, Sequoia Kim, and you can reach me at the email news at mcgilltribune.com. Starting off the podcast this week is some news coming from Smooth's Finance Committee. They just recently released a report titled Investigation into the Smooth Student Fee Policies. Also, quick note, contributor Juliet Morrison covered this story for the news section this week. You can read that article linked in the show notes. So after I give some background information about the report, Sebastian Duckett, the finance commissioner who spearheaded this report, will be joining me on the podcast and leading us through some of the report's specifics. So since October 2020, the SMOO Finance Committee have been investigating SMOO's student fee policies, especially looking into how these fees are approved, scrutinizing the current policies in place, and looking at how they're administered. Coming after concerns and also just general confusion over the fees, the report was released on January 21st, and it contains some very interesting findings. So the report has a couple sections. First, it has a preamble, scope, some definitions. Then it describes the current policies, regulations and practices. Then things get interesting. The report looks into some of the issues with the current state, and it finishes off with some recommendations to rectify these issues. So the scope of the report focuses only on the financial operations, procedures, and policies that govern student fees that are currently under the control of SMU. So these are primarily student society fees. And the thing that ties all these fees together is that they're all fees falling under Section 52 of legislation called the Act Respecting the Accreditation and Financing of Student Associations. So this legislation governs student societies province-wide, and it stipulates that new fees or increasing existing fees must be approved through a student referendum. It also maintains that the referendum questions must indicate the amount of the fee and whether it's opt-in or opt-out, and any other restrictions or procedures beyond these basic tenets are completely subject to SMOO's Legislative Council and their internal regulations. So the SMOO's afforded quite a bit of flexibility here. They just need to follow those basic premises of the legislation. Now that we have some background about the existing framework and practice and what fees the report looks at, Let's get into the five main issues that the report identifies, starting with number one, the lack of financial due diligence in the approval of new ancillary fees and also existing fee increases, which speaks specifically to the process through Legislative Council that I just briefly described, namely that student groups seeking to levy fees need to submit a direct motion to Legislative Council and then need to get Legislative Council's approval, and then it goes to referendum. 
So, Sebastian, could you explain briefly on what this issue is and maybe even touch on that process through Legislative Council? So maybe to give a bit more clarity, there's there's some steps that groups wanting to pass fees have to complete before the question goes to referendum. The SMU does have the ability to block fees from going to referendum at this stage. So one of the problems that we identified is that while the Legislative Council does a pretty thorough job of, of critiquing the causes, uh, the value side of these fees, there's almost no evaluation that goes into this process to the financial element of it. And so obviously when you're levying a fee against over 24,000 students, there are pretty big financial implications of such a decision. And so the investigation definitely thinks that uh, there's quite a lack of financial due diligence in this process right now. And maybe I'll just provide an example. There's been many fees that have been passed and groups that have put their fees to referendum that eventually received this money that never even thought of the financial aspect of it. They essentially just picked an amount and went with it. And they had no budget, they had no supporting documentation that that would be the cost. And because there is no framework in place to, to evaluate these things on a financial perspective, these fees just went through. Another issue outlined in the report is the misuse or underuse of these ancillary fee revenues. So what does this mean and why is this happening? So this is an issue that kind of has two sub-issues in it. I'll go through the misuse of ancillary fee revenues quickly uh, by essentially just saying that in the course of our investigation, we, we found a couple cases where certain groups were passing through expenses or are spending money in a way that definitely not to accuse them as illegally spending it, because that's definitely not the case. But we're spending them in ways that could be seen as a misuse of the, the funds, given what the purpose of the funds are. Now, we didn't go into too much detail in the report about this because the purpose of this investigation wasn't to do some sort of in-depth audit on every expenditure that every SMU group has done over the past decade. Needless to say, there's obviously some concerns here, but we, we have a perspective which we would hope will just alleviate these problems going forward instead of having to seek some sort of retribution or, or punishment for, for these wrongs in the past. Now, the other sub-issue of this one, which is underuse of ancillary fee revenues, is, uh, from our perspective on the finance, be much more concerning. Well, you'll see this in the investigation report, but, but just briefly, a lot of groups that pass fees aren't even spending all the money that they collect. And this is a problem that's been going on for many, many years. And it's been a very known problem, but nothing has really been done about that. And so mm-hmm. there's a couple of problems that come up about from having uh, large surpluses. One is that you're kind of overcharging students for a service that they have access to, but really shouldn't be paying this much to. But it's also just reflective of some of the, the more lacking elements of the financial controls that have to do with uh, some of this fee revenue. So the report sets out five recommendations as potential solutions to the problems outlined. So let's talk about the first one, which I think is a pretty significant one, which is to consolidate all SMU services fees, SMU funding committee, and other SMU fees into the SMU membership fee. So Sebastian, could you speak to what this would look like and what are the merits of consolidating these fees and how would it resolve some of the issues? The recommendation for consolidating the fees kind of took its inspiration from the SMU five-year plan that was passed just in the fall, which uh, had a, specifically as one of its recommendations the consolidation of a number of fees. Now, in practice, this would look like taking all the lines of fees that students see on their e-bills every semester and putting them into smaller groups or even all into one group of fees. And, and there's a couple of reasons why this would be a good thing. First of all, when you take fees 
and you put them under what's going to be a bigger group of fees, it, it's kind of a more transparent way of showing what it costs. So instead of seeing the, fee, the cost of every smooth service, you would see the cost of what it takes to actually run all the smooth services together. So that's something that we thought would be more financially transparent. Another thing that would happen too is it would allow the smooth to more easily take corrective action on some of these fees. So one of the limitations of having an individual fee for every cause is that it makes it a bit more difficult for the SMU to say, uh, repurpose some of that money if it's not being spent properly, if it's not being spent at all. But if you have all of them under the SMU base fee that's already there, it's much easier to repurpose those funds or even refund those funds. So this recommendation helps to break down a lot of the formalistic barriers that prevent some of the corrective action that would be happening. Another important thing, too, is when we talk about some of the problems that exist, they don't exist across all the SMOOC fees, particularly the SMOOC base fee, which is the SMOOC membership fee, is actually one of the best-run fees out of all the fees that students pay. And one of the reasons it's so good is because the money is audited every year by an external auditor, and there's very public disclosure of financial information. But not all the other SMOOC fees are involved in this audit that happens every year because they're separate fees. Mm -hmm. But if we took all the fees and put them into one, now, the audit would be expanded to, to more accurately examine all of the fees and how they're being spent. So from a transparency perspective, we think this is uh, one of the best way forward. Now, obviously, this is a very political thing, but from a financial perspective, it would alleviate a lot of the barriers that currently exist that uh, are preventing us from, from more easily addressing some of the problems. I was actually going to ask you about the second recommendation, which is about holding fee recipients accountable and making things more transparent by introducing more rigorous reporting and budgeting standards. So I was wondering, does that happen at the legislative council level? When would this recommendation sort of take place? This second recommendation, which I guess is a little bit tied to the first one, is more of a, a standard uh, financial recommendation. It's actually the base standard for most groups within society that manage money that they should have to provide budgets, uh, compare and do reconciliations against their budgets, right. uh, and, and just simply provide documentation for the money that they get. So these standards that we're looking to impose here under uh, Section 2 are, are actually industry standard. So this wouldn't necessarily involve an audit for every individual fee. Now, it would be pretty expensive for a lot of these small groups that sometimes take in just a couple thousand dollars to have to pay external auditors to review all their stuff. Right which kind of speaks to the, to the benefit of consolidating all the fees. If we consolidate all the fees under SMU, there's just one payer still, and it's the SMU that pays to have this kind of increased accountability and transparency. Mm -hmm. So another big recommendation that the report calls for is new legislative council powers, basically changes that SMU legislative council could achieve with some minor amendments to their internal rules, which they could just pass at a meeting. I'm interested, Sebastian, in what these recommended changes outlined in the report are asking for and why they would help, and also what the SMU currently doesn't have the power to do. Like, what are the limitations as it stands under the current system, and do you envision any ways that changes could, could help us kind of move forward? Well, I would say that the changes that we need to move forward are the recommendations we've put out here, but I guess that's a, a bit too obvious of an answer to your <laughs> question. Speaking broadly now, if you look at, and we go back to the Section 52 of the Quebec Act that gives us the power to pass fees, 
two or three lines that give us this power. And after uh, the SMU consulted external legal counsel, we, we did determine that while we do have to go to referendum to increase money, so essentially whenever we want to charge more money, we have to get the student's approval, we do have options to reduce fees on the spot without going to referendum, uh, to permanently cancel fees, or to temporarily freeze those fees. So legally, even though that we have the full power and authority to, to do that, or at the very least we're not prevented from doing it, the, the smooth internal regulations currently don't have a structure that allows for these options. And I think a great example of why this would have come in handy is, is this year with COVID. Uh, a lot of the services that haven't been able to operate, but they've been collecting their fees at full rate nonetheless. And part of the problem is that we didn't have the mechanisms to put a temporary freeze on it. So if these powers would have been more readily available uh, in the internal regulations, a year like this, we wouldn't have seen so many problems where groups are, are just simply racking up their bank accounts without being able to spend all or a portion of their fees. So I think speaking largely, what we really need to do is just ensure that at its core, that money is being collected for the proper purposes and in the proper amounts for those purposes, and that when things go wrong, that we have easy mechanisms to financially regulate the problems. The two final recommendations of the report also suggest some process and committee changes. If you wanted to kind of touch briefly on those. For sure. So a lot of the groups that collect funds in the form of student fees uh, report to or have some sort of oversight committee already. So, for example, uh, all the funding committee fees are administered by the funding committee. And, for example, another one is all the services. There is a services committee and there's a services review committee. So this move already has a structure in place to provide a certain level of oversight to a lot of these groups that collect fees. But as it currently stands, and this is more specific to the services, those committees don't make any uh, inquiries into the financial aspects of the services, which are, are pretty important aspects of it. I mean, the services pass and operate hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of student funds every year. So these committee changes are, are, in a way, quick fixes to just make sure that there is a body that has a positive mandate to keep an eye on the way that these groups are spending their money. And that's not to say that there's no one keeping an eye on it now, but by, by actually tasking a group, it'll impose more of a mandate to ensure that these standards are met. Sebastian, congrats on releasing such a comprehensive and important report. And thank you so much for talking it through with me today. So lastly, the report was debated at Legislative Council on January 28th. And when or whether or not any of these recommendations will be implemented remains to be seen. Although I do believe that they will start rolling out probably over the next year or so. So moving on, I'm going to quickly recap some of the highlights coming out of SMU's Legislative Council that happened on January 28th. Thanks to social media master at the Tribune, Marie Sede, for covering the meeting this week. Her article is linked in the show notes. So some highlights of the meeting. The meeting started off with a few presentations. The two I, I'm going to talk about was the Finance Commissioner, of course, uh, Sebastian Duckett, who I just spoke to, who presented the report to Council and it was debated extensively there. I won't dwell on it because we just talked about it, but you can watch the full discussion on YouTube of the meeting. Then there was a presentation from Mustafa Henaway, an organizer at the Immigrant Workers Center, who gave a presentation about the mistreatment and improper working conditions facing many Dollarama warehouse workers. 
Many of these workers are temporary foreign workers hired through temporary placement agencies, making them among Montreal's most vulnerable workers to exploitative work practices because they're technically not hired through Dollarama per se. And advocates have been speaking out about the fact that the pandemic has only worsened these working conditions and put these workers in very precarious situations. Also note here that McGill currently has over $2 million invested in Dollarama. At the end of the presentation, VP of External Affairs A.O. Ogunremi motioned to establish the smooth support for Dollarama warehouse workers. Basically, this motion would stipulate that SMU will support any campaigns going on that are in support of these warehouse workers, which might take the form of submitting petitions to McGill's committee to advise on matters of social responsibility, otherwise known as CAMSR, providing resources to assist in awareness-raising campaigns and supporting the student campaign of the McGill Corporate Accountability Project, otherwise known as MCAP. And this motion was approved, so you'll probably see some noise coming out of SMU on this topic. Then the council approved a couple other important motions. So VP of Student Life, Mahin Actor, motioned to add a new academic wellness proposal to the SMU mental health policy and plan. The mental health commissioner and the mental health advocacy coordinator and a group of other students have been collaborating on this proposal together. She presented this at the last legislative council meeting. And a big initiative here includes implementing Wellness World, which is a big mental health resource portal. So this motion was approved, and I think Actor is hoping to present the proposal to Senate by the end of the semester. So basically just updated the mental health policy and plan. Then VP University Affairs Brooklyn Frizzle motioned to adopt a new accessibility policy and establish a new accessibility committee. Frizzle added some much-needed expansions and updated the policy since it expired on uh, January 1st, and it was last updated in 2016. This also approved, and if you're interested in reading about the actual policy, you can find it on the SMU website under the Legislative Council documents for January 28th. Services Representative Noah Morali motioned to get SMU on board to condemn the lack of action by the provincial government to support unhoused individuals and to reaffirm the responsibility that SMU has to support unhoused members of our community. This week, staff writer Respina Rostamifar wrote about the impact that, that the pandemic and the curfew has had on unhoused populations and then also looked at how despite the Honorable Chantal Mass's recent Superior Court ruling that stipulates that people experiencing homelessness be exempt from the curfew, that actually much more support is needed. And you can read that article linked in the show notes. So this motion was approved, which means that the executive committee will be mandated to issue a communication articulating SMU's condemnation of the provincial pandemic response for its lack of empathy for unhoused and migrant populations and that SMU support and assist any existing campaigns. Lastly, there were a few notices of motions, meaning that these aren't voted on, but they will be at a future meeting. So an interesting one was regarding adopting a new policy on harmful military technology. This policy would establish concrete directives pursuant with SMU's commitment to a campus free from harmful military technology, harmful military research, all of the sort, and that is forthcoming. And another notice of motion was regarding instituting a SMU position on institutions of public safety. So 
Just a little background. Smoo has positions on various topics, which is outlined in their positions book. You can read that online. And they make a lot of decisions based on those positions and whether or not motions, campaigns, policies align with those positions. They use that as the rationale. So the idea behind adopting this position, I think, is that SMU would be able to make more firm statements on issues like police violence and how institutions have a disproportionate, often disproportionate, impact on marginalized communities. Once again, this is forthcoming, so I'm sure we will touch on this motion at a later date. Those were some of the highlights from the SMU meeting. And this is also going to conclude our podcast for today, but I really hope that the investigation uh, conversation that I had with uh, Sebastian was helpful and clarifying. So just some credits. Thank you to the multimedia team, Sarah Ford and Alex Hinton for editing the podcast. Thanks to creative director Aiden Martin and editor-in-chief Helen Wu for executive production and final touch editing. Thanks to Chloe Rodriguez, design editor, for making the podcast graphic. And a big thank you to all the speakers on the podcast today, which was just Sebastian, but we had a great conversation. So thank you for listening, and I will see you all, or I guess you'll hear me all next week. (laughs) 